1: <laughs> Hey, this is Matt Lesher.
2: This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is
3: Robin McHillor, a.k.a. the opinions of Gotham, and
2: you are listening to Peak
3: Vice Live. And here we go. Welcome, welcome to Geek Vibes Nation to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Jawan, and we have an amazing panel for today's episode, our usual suspects, starting with Nick. What's going on, Nick?
1: What up? Pretty tired. <laughs> Went out to the lake yesterday, and I'm sore as shit, <laughs> but uh, I'm <laughs> excited, excited to be yeah. on, excited to talk some fun geek topics.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Tia, what's going on, Tia?
0: Hey hey hey! I'm doing pretty good. We had an awesome top ten this morning, and I'm happy to be here at Geek Five Live.
3: Absolutely, that hey hey hey! I definitely need you to to intro that every uh, every show now. I love that hey (laughs) hey hey. It goes it goes perfectly with the uh, welcome welcome welcome. It goes perfect. It goes hand to hand. (laughs) Without further ado, let's get right into uh, some trailer talk. Uh, we had two trailers this week, so let's start off with Knives Out. Um, trying to, Ryan Johnson's latest uh, film loaded with talent. Um, this trailer, to me, I, I'm going to be honest. When I first heard that we were getting a Knives Out movie with Ryan Johnson, um, Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, Lakia uh, Stanworth. I can't I can't remember his last name, but Lakia. Um, I was really excited because I thought it was an action movie. Um, And then I see the trailer, and it's like a murder mystery. Now, I don't know if anyone else has seen Murder on the Orient Express, a movie that was also riddled with uh, great acting talent. It just didn't live up to uh, the height of the mystery. So I don't really like murder mysteries because they're not usually done uh, relatively well. Like, the shock has to be huge. Um, so I, I just didn't really get into it. It looks like it's going to be fun, so I'll just approach it as a popcorn flick. Um, but it just really didn't do much for me. Um, cause I, maybe it was because I was thinking it was an action film.
2: Um,
3: but, Nick, I'm going to start with you. S- excuse me. What were your thoughts on the first trailer
1: for Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson? It uh, looks really good. I mean, it looks funny. um, it certainly uh, seems to have all the makings of a good whodunit, but I'm kind of with you on that, um, just as, like, a, I have not seen Murder on the Orient Express, um, but uh, I, I do like some, like, older whodunits, um, Clue uh, – is it, is it Clue? Is that, is that what it is? It's not Clue. Um, yeah, yeah, I
3: think it is Clue. That's, yeah.
1: The one with Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah, that one's good. Um uh, uh um shit what's it called uh, dial M for murder is a is a classic that i i do thoroughly enjoy but i agree with you they are kind of hit or miss um but the talent looks good um i like Ryan Johnson a lot um i still stand for the last Jedi um and i i really enjoyed Looper. um so i mean i think he's a talented writer um but it, it's a it's a genre that uh, there's only so many <laughs> Different ways that you can kind of take. So you know, with that in mind, you you really have to deliver um, all the necessary wit, uh, comedic timing, those kinds of things, um, and also deliver like a a, a pretty like shocking conclusion. Um, so I mean, if you can hit hit the nail on the head with those two things, I think it will be successful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love the cast. Uh, I, first of all, um. Uh, Daniel Craig is just like, so talented. Um, I don't know if y'all all saw um, uh, Logan Lucky, um, but he was fantastic in that, and he kind of has um, a variation on that, that same sort of um, Southern accent. Um, this one being like a more uh, S- Savannah, Old South, sophisticated type accent. Uh, the other one being more like, you know, White trashy, um, but uh, but he, he does really well, you know, with you know various different accents and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm definitely interested, you know, for him alone. Uh, but then Chris Evans just looks hilarious uh, in this. It's kind of like seemingly like the black sheep of the family. Um, is kind of the way it comes off. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm very much looking forward to it. That cast, um, if if I. Hear really good things about it. I might even go see it in theaters, but I'll definitely watch it one way or another like at some point in time.
3: yeah, nah, my biggest thing is
2: just
3: <clears throat> uh, like me and you both just said like if if I get to the end of the movie and the mystery is is well worth it to me i'm I'm fine with it, but I kind of feel like there's been more bad mystery uh mystery films than there have been good um so it kinda it's just it'cause to me. The whole movie could be good, but if I get close to the ending and I'm kind of like, I think blah, blah, blah did it. And then that turns out they did. It's kind of like, at some point of this movie, it started to become obvious to me. And that's what I kind of right. feel like some of these murder mysteries are. I want it to be something that I'm like, oh, whoa, what? I didn't see that coming. I'm like, yeah. just from the trailer, I kind of already suspect the girl. <laughs> just from the trailer, I suspect the girl. Which girl? Um, the the, the girl... The younger one, I, I can't remember oh, her okay. um, her name. Um, I know but who you're talking about them. They never showed her talking, um, and then but they showed her a lot. So that going in, she's gonna be the first person I assume. But knowing my luck, she'll die in like the first five minutes, and then you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ryan Johnson got me. But um, but yeah. So to me, if it's the mystery itself is well worth it. I'm completely fine with it, even if maybe some of the movie isn't all that great. If you shock me, um, to me, that, that does it. Uh, it wasn't a murder mystery, but one of the biggest shocks that I remember in movies was Drag Me to Hell, um, where it kind of felt like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. So I don't ruin it for anyone who might not have seen it. But um, the big shock at the end, it was like, oh, didn't really see that coming. That's dope. Like, that was really awesome. Um, but if I kind of feel like at any point I kind of saw that coming, it was a waste. So I, I might be like you, Nick. I might wait to see what someone says um, that I trust. And if they're like, no, the, you know, the shock was, was, was big, then I'll go see it. But if not, HBO, I assume, will buy the rights to it, um, and I'll <laughs> watch it there. Um, yeah. But, but, Tia, uh, so yeah, what were your thoughts on the first trailer for Knives Out?
0: Um. Well, I have to agree with you, Joan, that I thought it was going to be an action movie. Just based on the name and the fact that you got Daniel Craig and Chris Evans in it, I thought that that would be really cool to have, like, this action flick with them in it, but that's not the direction they decide to go, which is fine. It really seems like a remake of Clue just with a different name. I mean, they've done this plenty of times in Hollywood. So, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of murder mystery movies. So that kind of dissuade me from being actually interested into it. I will say that the thing that seemed the most interesting was Chris Evans' part in the movie because I love when they give Chris Evans the ability to play characters like that. I think everyone's just a little too used to him playing Captain America and that very uh, stern, serious uh, type of character, but he can play these fun, sarcastic, uh, very much the quote-unquote jackass um, of a movie, which is why we love him. And I think that that alone looks like a lot of fun. I don't think I'll go to the theater to go see this movie, but I'll definitely watch it when it comes to, you know, whatever streaming service is going to pick it up.
3: Yeah, I just, I, my biggest, <clears throat> excuse me, my biggest fear is, um, and again, this, this has nothing to do with, with Ryan Johnson. I'm just talking the formula of, of Hollywood. I, it kind of just feels like a great cast, but the movie might not deliver. Um, and, and we've seen this numerous times. So, again, this is not me giving any shades to Ryan Johnson because obviously haven't seen the movie, but I just don't want it to be, oh, we got some of the best actors out there, but it doesn't really live up to the fact that we got some of the best actors out there. Um, so, I mean, that, that's just my biggest thing. But who knows? Maybe it's great, the, the, the shock is great, and then we all end up loving it. Um, I hope that's the case, because Ryan Johnson has done a lot more good as a director than he has bad. I'm talking to you Star Wars fans out there. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to support him. I want to support him, um, and I want this to be good. So hopefully it is. Uh, But, all right, let's move on to our second trailer that we got today, and that was the, I don't want to say teaser, because I kind of feel like a teaser should be uh, anything less than a minute, and this is maybe about a minute in some change. Um, But our first trailer to Mulan. Um, Tia, I'm actually going to start with you. Um, What were your thoughts coming out of this first official trailer for uh, Mulan, especially after all the outrage of them saying (laughs) no Mushu, whatever his name is, no original songs, and then we're going to give you your trailer after all that bad news. (laughs) What
2: were (laughs) you? Well,
0: I think we talked last weekend on our Geek Vibes Live about the fact that there was going to be no Mushu and there was going to be no songs, which I was greatly upset over being such a huge fan of the original animated movie. So it is funny that they dropped the trailer. It almost seems like they saw how mad everyone was, and then they were like, oh, just throw something out there so at least we can generate some sort of positive buzz about this film. Um, So going into it, I will say that, and I think we talked about this during the pre-show, that the visuals look amazing. Uh, The costuming, the set, that all looks really good. It feels definitely familiar. We got the setup obviously of where the movie is gonna go, which you could say yes, you would know that based on watching the original movie, but they definitely put that in the trailer. Um I don't know the actress's name, but she looks good in it. She looked great in that warrior armor. And I like that you did notice a few iconic scenes in the trailer from the original movie. I will say that it, it, it has some aspects of Mulan in it, but then it does seem like it's just going to be, say, a martial arts movie and not necessarily a Mulan movie. And I just really would have loved to see on screen I'll Make a Man Out of You in live action. I think it would have been really awesome. And I'm just really going to stay a little salty about that. But as far as the trailer goes, I mean, it looks good. It looks definitely like they're going in a more serious tone. They're not trying to do what they did with Aladdin's live action or even do what they're doing with Lion King's adaptation. It just looks completely, they're just taking the concept of the movie and making a new film out of it. So we'll have to see once maybe they release another trailer. I'll say that I'm in the middle on this.
3: Yeah, no, I, I completely <clears throat> see where you're coming from. But before I go into my response, I could probably wind myself here, I'm gonna go to you first, Nick. <laughs>
2: like you see, give
3: your thoughts on the uh first
1: trailer for Mulan. See, like it definitely felt like a teaser to me. I get that it was a little longer, but it just like it 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 was just a lot of different shots, you know. Um you you obviously had the um the the conversation at the beginning of the trailer, um with you know her family, you know telling, essentially telling her that they found a suitor for her, and it's what what's best for their family, and she needs to you know honor her family and that kind of thing. Um, and you got the you know little backdrop of her saying, "I will, um, like it, it it is in me to fight" or whatever she said, like something like that. Um, and I will honor my family that way or something. Um, but it definitely felt like a teaser. Um, but I like. I probably just because I love martial arts films like insanely (laughs) Um, like uh, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon is fucking phenomenal Uh, and it kind of has that feel like it even has like some of the shots of like um, like her jumping over all of those dudes and uh, on the battlefield um, and all that kind of stuff like it definitely has that kind of feel to it. Um, so I actually really liked it. I'm super excited for it. Um, but probably a big part of that also has to do with, um, Mulan was, like, a little after my time, um, as far as, like, um, like, my era of, of Disney movies. Um, like, I was, you know, I was more of the late 80s, early 90s stuff, and that was more, like, late 90s, I think, 97, something like that, um. But, uh, but regardless, of uh, my point being that, um, you know, not having such a sentimental attachment kind of lets me um, see it, I guess, differently than Tia as far as not feeling like, damn, I can't believe they're not, you know, including that or or they're, you know, they're not making, like, all the songs that I loved as a kid that aren't making it in there, Um so it probably makes it just a little easier for me to be like, well, damn, this looks like badass martial arts, though. Um, which is, which I agree with, Tia. That's exactly what it looks like. You know, like it looks like they took the story of Mulan and are turning it into a live action martial arts movie, um, as opposed to um, you know actually adapting Mulan um, from animation to you know live action. But I, you know, as far as me personally, I thought the trailer was pretty dope, and I'm excited for it. Well,
0: so the thing is, like, you take away the songs, right? Which at this point, seeing the tone of the teaser, I would say makes sense. But the mm-hmm. point is the story. Like, it's fine if it has aspects of a martial arts movie, but the underlying story is she goes sees the matchmaker, and she absolutely fumbles it. You know, the matchmaker tells her that she will never find anyone and she will never bring honor to her family. I mean, that is a huge point of the movie. It's a huge point of Mulan feeling like she's out of place because she's not following the typical path that girls do. So that's extremely important. And the most important is her deciding to fight because her father is ill and would certainly die in this battle against some... you know, against the enemy and her just fighting along approving proving her worth even after she finds that, even after her comrades find out that she is a girl, which at that point should have been a death sentence because in the movie that should have been the law is what they even make it very apparent that she should be, you know, dishonored and killed for that. Um, but her regardless going in to save them. So I need that story to be absolutely 100% preserved.
2: Yeah, I mean,
3: I look at it like this, um, and I get <clears throat> Nick, you saying you don't feel the, um, you know, you don't feel as close to the movie because it was kind of outside of the time where you were really watching it. But remember how you said how important it was to keep some of the, uh, the songs uh, for Aladdin, like, how that was important, like, oh, yeah. you can't just not have it, that is how oh, yeah, totally. people feel about, um, uh, feel about Oh, Mulan. yeah, and I, so you...
1: and I totally Go get ahead, that like, I, 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 I was just saying, I totally get that, like, just like, cause I, I, if, if you know, they didn't have you know, the, you know, three or four, like, really big songs um, you know, in from Aladdin, in Aladdin like, I'd be like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, so, like, I totally get it. It's just, for me personally, I, I, like, there are some movies that I have that kind of attachment to. Just well, It's just not one of them for me.
3: Yeah. No, no, no. I, I completely get you. I just, to me, I kind of feel like if you're doing a movie that's based off of something, I should still feel like it's that person. um, Or it's still that same thing. It does not have to be word for word, song for song, exactly like the animated movie where um, I just go watch the animated movie. I'm not paying $15 to just go watch the animated movie. Be
2: different. <laughs> you,
3: you guys know I'm, I'm always an advocate of, of writers being able to be creative. Be different, just don't strip it. And I kind of feel like if there's no song, and then, then there's no Mushu, and then from what I just saw, that feels like it's just a martial arts movie. Which, in, in essence, Mulan does, uh, does later become uh, towards the latter half of, of the movie. Um, but a large portion of that movie feels like a Disney movie. And I kind of didn't feel like this was a Disney movie. Like uh, I was telling Tia, Nick, before the, uh, before the show, they, they 100% changed Jasmine um, for the movie. To fit today's time, to, to fit their direction, I was 100% okay with. Uh, that was a liberty that that's just fine. It, it's okay. So if you're telling me you want to make Mulan tougher, or you want to make uh, it more that she's more you know more advanced as a fighter, stuff like that, by all means get creative. Just don't strip it of its essence. And its essence is it's a Disney movie. Um, Jungle Book felt very real, but it still felt like um, exactly what it gave us when you would watch the animated movie. It just was a lot. It was just more adult. Um, so to me, as long as the essence of Mulan is there. I can get past it, but this just didn't feel like a Mulan trailer. Um, Like, if I had never seen the animated movie, I couldn't tell you that this was stemming from a Disney film. Um, And that's kind of what bothers me the most. But who knows? Maybe, you know, they were lying. Maybe they do have the original song. Um, And and maybe it's still a good movie. But I I know I'm going to go into this movie um, expecting it to be a martial arts film and then probably only appreciating the idea that uh, it was just really good martial arts. Um, and that's going to be very unfortunate for Mulan movies. Um, but, all right, uh, does anyone have anything else they want to add about Mulan before we move on? No,
1: I'm good. Nick? No, I'm good, man. All right,
3: let's move on. All right, so let's get into our main topics. we got a few uh, big news topics to come out. First, we're going to start with, uh, in a flash movie shocker, it's filmmaker Andy uh, Muschetti, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. I'm probably horribly wrong. Um, is in talk to direct, say it again.
1: I was just laughing at you. You, oh, you always yes. assume that you're getting the names wrong.
3: I always do. Just in case I am. So everyone's like, oh, well, he knew he was going to get it wrong. Rather than me saying it with confidence. <laughs> and I'm, I sound like an idiot. Um, Andy Muschietti is in talks to direct as John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein move on Ezra Miller still attached but Warner Brothers to go in new direction with new writer Christina uh, Hodgson this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter so this isn't just us with a scoop or anything this is from a legit news outlet now this information is interesting one because I think they're full of crap And two, (laughs) because I think this isn't 100% accurate. And what I mean by that is the only reason John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein seemingly, I don't want to say this definitively, but seemingly are out is because Ezra would not commit to their script. And Warner Brothers, because Ezra is very important to their other franchise in um, uh, the Harry Potter world, uh, seemingly went with the actor over the directors. Now, I have no issue with that. We've seen it in sports. They go on with an athlete over a coach, even though the coach is good. Um, my issue is if Ezra's point was he wanted it to be darker, you bringing in Andy kind of means that that's what they're going to go with. They're going to go with darker because we know Andy's coming from it. When it says they're going in a new direction with the writer.
2: My question
3: is, what was the current direction? Because if the current direction was for you to go more Shazam and less BVS, um, I would say Ezra has to understand there is a such thing as in the middle. And what I mean by that is if you watch any of the CW shows, uh, seemingly The Flash specifically, um, it is very dark when it needs to be, but it also is very lighthearted. Um, because that is Barry in, in a sense. Barry is very lighthearted. He comes from a dark world, but what makes him and Spider-Man so special is out of all the deaths that they experience, they are always the light. Um, so what I don't want to see is an edgier flash, is a darker flash, is for it to be anywhere near as dark as Tia as BVS was. Um, so to me, it's like, you can find a way to to meet in the middle. And I would be curious to see if John Francis Daly uh, and Jonathan Goldstein, if they were just unwilling to meet Ezra in the middle. Um, But I can talk about this forever because I just see too many things that that bother me that I'm pretty sure uh, I'm over-exaggerating about. But, Nick, I'm going to start with you. Um, What are your thoughts on the two directors being out? And what are your thoughts on the possible director to replace him and I do want to ask you, what direction would you like to see a Flash franchise going darker, um, seemingly like what Ezra would prefer? Or would you like to see them go just split in the middle? You can have a dark story with a lighter a lighter approach to it.
1: Well, I'll start with that. I, I'm not necessarily sure that that's not what Ezra wants. Like, just because he says that he wants something darker, maybe that's what he needs. Like, it wouldn't... I don't think it would necessarily make sense for his character to be dark and, like, brooding and whatever. Um, but I think probably what he wants is, like, um, you know, something uh, something where the, uh, the uh, script and the storyline, it's, like, really heavy shit that he's dealing with um, and not just have it be, like, a um, – um, I don't know, like a, a sort of typical – um, fair as far as you know, more Shazam like, if you will, um, would that would be my guess. I mean, I have no nothing to back that up. It's just pure speculation. Um, but as far as like what I would prefer, I would definitely prefer it to be like not dark. Um, like uh, I uh, like I don't necessarily like I wouldn't necessarily want um, that like the first solo Flash movie to be like. Um, you know, j- like just like depressing, you know, uh, like have just like shit just keeps happening to Barry, and it's just like oh, this is like god dang man, this is like this is a terrible. Like I, I I wanted to watch The Flash, not Requiem for a Damn Dream. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I, I like you said there there there's a balance there that that you know maybe they can achieve. Um, and if they if they find the right balance, I think it'll be fine. Um, but what I, I, I had a question for you. What is this the fourth different uh, director to walk away from this project? Or it, I guess if, directors.
3: It's the fourth if you count the, if you count them separately. So if John Goldstein. Right. Uh, so if you count them separately, yes, it, it would be the fourth. And again, Andy has not officially been brought in as a Flash director. Right. He is only up for uh, for discussion. So, if he turns it down, you could look at that as another director to, to leave. Because I think what a lot of people forget is Rick Fumiawa uh, was supposed to direct this movie
2: years
3: ago. Um, right. So, the idea that he left and his idea for it was, was, was I thought, game-changing. Um, so, the fact that he left and then we've come so far, and we still don't have a definitive director. It's just not good. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Essentially, about four.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, that's just that's terrible, man. Like, you know, I I can understand, like, you know, you have maybe some creative differences here or there, and um, so maybe maybe one, maybe even two, but like to have four. Like directors just walk away from this project, and, and just because they can't get any traction with it, um, like that's that's a very bad sign, you know. Like it, it, when you know uh, Edgar Wright stepped away from Ant Man, like they were just like, all right, let's get paid and read, we're good. And you know, I mean, it, it worked out for him. Um, like that's that's kind of what you should be doing. I think it more so just kind of speaks to where DC's at right now that they don't have a Kevin Feige to like sort of be that guy, even if you're not tying things together continuity wise, um, be that guy who's at the top, um, who kind of has a vision for all of these different projects. Um, and so you, you go out and you, um, get actors who like that vision, you get directors who like that vision. Um, and then, of course, you give them the freedom to, you know, write a story that that you know at least fits in that in that world. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's just they don't they don't have that, and it, it, it's it's come back to bite them in the ass m- more times than we can even fucking count. Um, and this just kind of seems to be another one of those situations, and it just it kind of sucks. It, like it's unfortunate because a I love Ezra Miller, even if he's not like the you know what you would picture as like your your typical Barry Allen. Um, I just love Ezra Miller, so it doesn't really bother me that much. Um, and I really enjoyed him uh, in um, Justice League. He was one of probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, was like him and, and him and Cyborg, which is why like I just always kind of wanted like a almost like a buddy cop thing with cyborg, you know, with um him, you know, Ezra Miller's Flash kinda of being like the the goofy one and, you know, uh Ray Fisher being like the more serious uh of the two and let those two play off of each other, I think it would be that would be awesome. Um but it doesn't seem like we're going to get anything like that. Um unfortunately. Um but yeah, they just they, they just gotta figure this out, man. Like the <laughs> Uh, just having it in limbo for as long as they have and just to continue to have it in limbo like it it it's it's not you're just you're just you're basically just burning money because you're like if you could like even if the movie's not good if you had already gotten it out and everything you're still gonna make money off of it so like i don't know why um and obviously you would want it to be good um but like just sitting on a project for four years like just Having it just be in development hell—that that is certainly not good for Warner Brothers, um, and and just kind of more over uh, DC.
3: I will say the one advantage that Warner Brothers has that I'm pretty sure they're they're leaning on is that you're in a time where these movies are grossing over billions of dollars,
2: so you're mm-hmm. always
3: going to have someone that's interested in taking. Um, that's taking the helm of, of one of these franchises, even if it seems very dysfunctional. Um, because it, it's just, you get a chance to direct uh, a big movie, and your name's attached to something that could possibly be a huge uh, box office hit. So you're always going to have someone that would jump at it. Um, I am more curious to, and I will say your, your idea of Cyborg and Flash, that was an original concept they originally had for one of the scripts of this Flash movie. I can't remember what director, um, but it was a few years ago one of the ideas that they had had. Um, But obviously we're drastically away from that now. Um, But yeah, it's just one of those things where it's kind of just like, the reason why I said um, what I was saying about Ezra and Nick when you were saying that it doesn't necessarily mean that that he doesn't want it to kind of be half and half. The reason why I say I think that it's either BS from him or it's BS from Warner Brothers, or wherever this, this source came from, is because if Ezra was willing to go half and half, I really find it hard to believe that the directors were the ones that were refusing, um, you know, to kind of lean one way or the other. So I kind of feel like the directors were like, here's a script, it's light. It's lighter tones, this is what we want to go with. And I kind of feel like Warner Brothers is like, well, we talked with Ezra, Ezra kind of wants to go a little darker than that, Um, I find it hard to believe that those directors were like, no, 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 we we refuse to to do anything different. So I kind of feel like they wanted super light. He wanted, I won't say drastically, but something very different than what their script was. And Ezra was refusing to bite. Um, And that then is why they were like, you know what? You guys take it, find someone else to do it. Um, That's why I think that. Uh, Again, I have... No sources, nothing. This is just me assuming. Um I know BS when I when I hear it. Uh I just got it from my Nick, so <laughs> my BS meter is on high alert. Um so I just something just doesn't sound right here. Um but again, I'm paranoid old Juwan, so I could be just pulling this from from, from thin air. Um Patiya, what are your thoughts on the director change for the Flash? Um and where would you, I already know how you feel about Ezra, where would you like to see a flash, uh, a flash movie go? Like, what direction would you like to see it go in?
0: Well, first I have to say you guys can no longer blame me because uh, supposedly Ezra Miller is still around, so I don't want to hear this whole I got him kicked
3: out or anything like that, so. Well, hold on, to- hold on, are still on the hook. Because until this movie starts filming, Tia, that is still a very big possibility he wants. So we're going to wait till it starts filming. Then we can go, all right, you know, the, the Tia magic did not work for Ezra Miller. Like it just so perfectly worked for Ben.
1: Yeah, Tia's he out here with like burner accounts and shit, talking shit about Ezra Miller.
3: <laughs> <day>. Absolutely,
1: 100%. <laughs>
0: Well, it was funny, as Nick was like, oh, The Flash is one of my favorite parts of the Justice League. And he was definitely uh, one of my least favorite parts in the Justice League. But that's neither here nor there. Um, when I first heard that they were going to bring in the uh, director from It and It Chapter 2, that was certainly a little shocking that they would do that for the direction of a Flash movie but considering the success that they had with James Wan and Aquaman, they probably think that they're going to somehow uh, relive that uh, that magic with this. And they think that, oh, or maybe, you know, Andy just has some really great ideas for a Flash movie and they really liked it and they decided, you know what, again, because James Wan did so well with Aquaman, this will be a success as well. As far as the direction that I'd like a Flash movie to go with, I do agree with you, Juwan, that it should kind of be like the CW Splash. You can have Barry Allen be more lighthearted. I certainly don't think he needs to be as goofy or as just all over the place as he was in Justice League. But you can have a more lighthearted Barry, and then obviously the people that he is up against are the darker aspects of the film. And we can, I guess, revisit in the movie. You know, he obviously has a darker past with his mother having been killed, his father's in prison. So you can have these like dark elements that still have a Barry Allen that is very much lighthearted and still maybe sees the good in the world, despite everything that he's been through. But I would like them to definitely rework the way that they've had his character be in Justice League, because they certainly didn't think it worked at all. And, That's personally how – if you guys are saying that Ezra Miller is that good of an actor, then I will trust what you say, and I will trust that they can make him better, because we saw uh, Ryan Reynolds do it. He did two different versions of Deadpool. If we completely judged him on what we saw in uh, Wolverine Origins, then that should have said that Ryan Reynolds didn't know how to be Deadpool And then now, obviously, we can't imagine anyone else other than him being Deadpool. So maybe it was just the fact that the script, the directors, everything was what was wrong with Ezra Miller, Barry Allen, and a new director and a new script can make that better.
3: Yeah, well, I I will say one i would argue with anyone who didn't feel like Ryan Reynolds was Deadpool in Wolverine Origins cuz before the experiment like before they uh you know glued his mouth shut or whatever the hell that was um he was an amazing weight uh he was an amazing Deadpool like he played Deadpool before he got the whole transformation the wisecracking and all that he was spot on it was just he didn't have the mask on the suit um so that, in that sense, he wasn't Deadpool, but I, I thought from that, I thought from Blade Trinity, who Ryan Reynolds was born to be Deadpool. Um, so it did not shock me when it was like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is going to be actually Deadpool in the first movie. It was, was classic. Um, but as far as uh, the, the whole Ezra thing, to me, I will say the Flash's story is one you can make dark. I just don't need it to be. Um, you know, because to me, it kind of just feels like this world that DC's trying to build, I think what they sometimes need to remember is Batman is literally the only story that has to be dark. Like there is no lightheartedness from a Batman
2: story. There, there never
3: is. There never will be. Um, I don't count that Adam West. That, that, that's not my Batman.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> so to me, the Flash has always been lighthearted. Dude. Uh, he's had story arcs to where you know the story arcs were a little bit darker, but the Flash is always supposed to be um a guiding light to the team the same way spider-man is supposed to be so no i don't need to see flash getting uber dark um but i mean it all depends because if you're telling me his first movie is about his um his robes like the robes, that's not a storyline i need you to be dark in but if you're telling me you're going right off the bat with reverse flash andy is the kind of guy that could make that very dark very menacing um, and, and do a really good job with it, but I I just don't know if I need that or if I even want it. Um, so if you could find a way to kind of meet me in the middle, to where it's it's humorous, but there's aspects of it um, that kind of feel a little bit darker than than we're used to seeing with the Flash, I could live with it. Um, but just I would give say, me... yeah, go ahead.
0: I would say you don't need to make a dark, brooding Barry Allen, but you can certainly have him more mature if that's maybe the direction you want to go
3: in. It'll be interesting because um, I am curious to see how, how different they want Ezra to be, uh, whether that's the studio or the director, um, because we saw what Zach did with Barry. And that was definitely, I agree with you, it was more Wally than we're used to, um, mm-hmm. than we're used to when it comes to Barry. So are you going to have Barry go through a change of, of, of character um, because I, at this point, I, I don't think, honestly, I wouldn't care. You're DC. You've obviously shown me. You didn't know what you were doing. You're trying to fix it. So making him more Barry-like is um, is how you go about fixing it. I can ignore Justice League. I mean, we technically have to. <laughs> Our Batman is now 20. <laughs> I mean, uh, 30. So I, we have to erase, I guess, what Justice League was.
0: I've, um, heard, I've erased Justice League since it came out, though.
3: <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Which is fine. Essentially I believe that's what they eventually will will start to do. Um, so I mean yeah, if you want to change Barry for the better, by all means. Go ahead. Um, but all right, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add about this flash situation, Nick?
1: Nah, I'm good, man.
3: See ya? No. Oh, okay. All right, let's move on to something that caused more controversy than anything Warner Brothers could cook up. And that's the <laughs> live-action Little Mermaid casting. Uh, I think her name is pronounced Holly Bailey, I believe, which confused a lot of people because they thought it was Holly Berry. And then I'm like, why would you think that? <laughs> why, why would you think that this <laughs> cat, Holly Berry is Ariel? Holly. Um, Holly Berry, I'm sorry. Um, but apparently, Come on, man what I'll allow you to say it when I pass it to you I'm just going to continue to get it wrong um but yeah this casting to me is fine um I I again don't know why uh race change with characters is as big of a deal as um as it is but apparently it's only one sided uh, because we did not get any we did not get any, we did not get any outcry for the fact that a movie called The Last Samurai had a white guy as its savior We did not get any fall cry of the fact that a movie about Egypt and pharaohs had only one black dude in it. So it just seems to be convenient when we do get it. Um, But this, to me, one, I'll say this, I don't recall The Little Mermaid. So if The Little Mermaid told me it wasn't going to have any original songs, I think I'd feel about that movie, Nick, the same way you feel about Mulan. Um,
0: Oh, hell no,
1: bro. you got to have Under the Sea. Like, uh,
0: <laughs> that's when that's when Nick's gloves come out. He's like, "Hang on, hang on, hang. no song
1: with a little mermaid, no, no."
3: no.
2: Now we
1: have. No <laughs> See, that's right in my wheelhouse, um, man. That one's like ninety-two. So, <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: but yeah, no. I, to me, the casting is fine.
1: Uh, to me, if anyone knows of
3: her work, she's a really good singer. Um, and to me, that is equally as important as acting, um, because you're the whole movie is pretty much singing. So I need someone who could, like, the acting is small. Like, if you're doing a very little bit of acting. Can you sing? Can you sing really good? She can sing really good. Um, so I was fine with the casting. I have no issues with it whatsoever. Um, if you decide to make her hair red, I could care less. If you decide to make it braided, I could care less. Um, but, Nick, I'll start with you since this is in your wheelhouse. Uh, your thoughts on the casting of Ariel? <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm not – ultimately, I'm not, like, terribly familiar with um, Hallie uh, Bailey. Bailey. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, as far as the the fucking stupid outrage, I will say this uh, just uh, as a counterpoint to um, what you were saying earlier. I I do feel like there is some – like, there is some on both sides, um, but, like – it, at least now, like I, I don't feel like, like I feel like if if they released the Last Samurai now, there would be people who are like, oh, we need the white guy to save us. Um, so like I do feel like it's on both sides, kind of. But like, here's my thing: like the the side of people that get upset when they say, um, like for like the Last Samurai type of thing, or even like let's just say like they they, um. Have, have, like, a, a, a bunch of white characters uh, or a bunch of white actors um, portraying, like, people in Egypt. That's a really good example. Um, that, like, it, it's like, come on, dude. Like, there's so many fucking actors out there. You can find people, like, who would make more sense. Like, don't tell me that, like, oh, well, you know, we just got the best names of it. Like, don't, don't feed me that bullshit. Um, so, like, I, I feel like you know the, in that case it's it's basically like um we want people's stories to have adequate rep- representation um uh, you know and and we want actors to to represent um these these various uh stories you don't have to just pick white people um, but uh the other side is, is is and i guess this is just my political leaning but the other side is just stupid like especially with a character like Ariel who is like a mermaid, so, like she's she's not like her the color of her skin is, is has nothing to do with uh, like anything uh, as far as um, you know it, it, it's not it's not you know stupid ass people saying well you know what w- would you want to have a white new one it's like well no because. Mulan is Chinese, like, Ariel is not a fucking, like, uh, whatever, like, she she has no nationality, she is a mermaid, you can do anything that you want with that character, so, like, I, I think that's just, that's just lame, but um, I was even telling a, a friend of mine yesterday, I was like, you know what's gonna happen, is, like, there will be, like, people, like, coming out who are like, well, like, come on now, it wouldn't make sense that, like, you know, uh, for a mermaid to have dark skin cause she lives under the sea. So really like, you know, they w- there wouldn't be enough sunlight, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like as a point of like veiled racism, like I'm not racist, but like if we're being logical here, um, uh, like, and she was like, Oh no, it's, I've already seen it. It's already out there. I'm like, Fuck, I knew it. I fucking knew people were going to go there. Um, and it's just stupid. It, it really is. It, it, I don't understand why people get upset about things like that. But I digress. Um, you know, as far as her, uh, her singing ability issues, like, apparently, like, I've heard from you just now and other people that she is a really good singer. Um, and that is absolutely um, one of the most important, if not the most important, um, things that you would kind of have to nail with this role. Um, I mean, we – I, I I heard various complaints about um, – um, I forget her name – who played um, uh, Belle, I think, in, in Beauty and the Beast and said she just wasn't like – she wasn't a bad singer, but she just – she wasn't a great singer, um, and it just kind of was like not like as good as it could have been. Um, so, you know, I think – I think in in – like with these kind of movies, they have to really hit that angle, and they have to really nail that. Um, and so, if they did that, uh, I, I'm totally cool with it, um, and it, it'll be cool. Hopefully, this is like, you know, kind of her her breakout role, um, and, and kind of sets the tempo for uh, you know for her career to go on and, and do a lot of other cool projects.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, I had a conversation with someone uh, yesterday, and I told them the reason why this is important, like, this might seem stupid, like, oh, why do you have to? It's, representation is important, and it's important to the youth. Yes, It's important to see, like, oh, wow, Ariel looks just like I do. Like, that's mm-hmm. dope. I have someone I could look at and go, I could be like that. It's very important. That's why I said right. Black Panther historically is, is important because you look at Spawn and you look at Blade, and they play into – I get that they're comic book characters, so let me not – feed too logically into it, but they do feed into um, what could be perceived as the stereotype of the black guy being super dangerous, the black guy out there killing. You wanted someone who just fit a hero, who was just your right. standard hero. Um, and that's what T'Challa was. So that historically was was important because it just it show it showed young black black boys and black girls like, no, 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 you could be something better, something different, something more uplifting. Um, Mm -hmm. So to me, it's important. And I I was telling my aunt yesterday, what bothers me the most about Disney princesses is, if you ask someone about a black Disney princess, a lot of people would forget the fact that Princess Tiana exists. Like, it was from a movie I thought was really horrible to introduce your first black princess, but it was Princess and the Frog. Like, we do have a black Disney princess. No one really remembers that. (laughs) Why? Because it's not really shown often, not really talked about often. You didn't do a live-action movie about it. So if you're telling me you're going in and you're making someone that is memorable, some, someone that is in a lot of people's minds um, and you're changing the race, I am all for that. Representation is very important. Um, right. And, and the, the movie- perfect
1: character for it. Like right. with a, right. a character that has no uh, discernible reason to be white. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Like, right. so like that, that is the biggest thing to me. Like, you know it, it it obviously like sometimes it, you know you, you it doesn't make sense to do it um, but this is one of those cases where it absolutely makes sense to do it and and I'm glad you brought up um you know the 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 point of um representation being important cuz I think I think that's another thing that like I don't want to generalize here but I, I I'm going to <laughs> um I think that's something that like a lot of white people just don't realize like it's not even malicious. They just don't realize that right. it's, it's, that that that's important. You know.
3: Well, I and, and I the person I spoke to from Twitter, what when I tried to explain to him was representation to to white people doesn't necessarily seem like a big deal only because it it it's everywhere. It's literally right. everywhere. The comic book characters, yeah. uh, video game. It's just everywhere. Like everything big, just happens to be white. So you look at it, and you kind of just go, well, what's the big deal? Well, for us, it's we look at it, and we don't see us. Um, and that's not just black. That's that's Asian. That's, that's Indian. That's Hispanic. We just want more representation. That's why I now understand when Joel was like, Juwan, I need Miles to be half black, half Hispanic, not full black. Like, I get it right. because he's saying, we don't have any representation, man. Like, so don't take the little bit away from me that I could possibly get. So right. I, I mean, to me, it's just it's, it's very important. Uh, and uh, another thing that people don't also understand is when you're casting characters like this, it's not it's not closed minded. Like you don't just say, "Hey, I want a 16 year old white girl that's five, you know, five six or, or what?" Like, no, you just you ask for the requirement, and the race sometimes isn't even in the qualifications. You just want someone you right. think is the best. Um, so they right. very well could have gone through white actors, black actors, Spanish actors, and they got to this girl, and she just blew them away. And like I said, her singing is great. It would have blown me away. Um, So to me, I just need everyone to kind of step back. And for everyone, like you said, Nick, that's like, well, I'm not racist just because I want things to be uh, like they are. It's like, well, your closed-mindedness of it having to be like that when historically it's telling you she's a mermaid, which mermaids aren't real. That'd be like if someone was like, <laughs> right. Rudolph, Rudolph's being voiced by a black guy. Like, come on now. Like, what about Rudolph? So right. you you had to be like, come on. So to me, it's just like, take a step back. Take a step back and just realize representation is not as spread around as you might think it is. And that's why this is very important. Um, but I'm sorry. I haven't talked for too long. T, I'm going to go to you. Your thoughts on the new casting of Ariel?
0: So I do want to preface this by saying I was the dumbass. I thought at first it was Halle Berry. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> she's, I was like, she's too, I mean, listen, Halle Berry is still one of the most beautiful women on the face of the earth, but she's too old. You know, Little Mermaid's the story of a young girl, like, you know, coming to, it's a coming of age story, you know, in the sense of mermaid. You know? um, but, <laughs> you know, as you said, <laughs> I'm sure, They had auditions, and all these girls came, and this girl, uh, Halle Bailey, uh, just sung, and they thought that it was beautiful, and they were like, well, it's a musical. We're obviously going to have the songs, which, considering how good of a singer she is, I think that that's definitely a reassurance that they're going to have the songs in The Little Mermaid. So I'm like, what's the big deal? You know, I saw this one thing online where this girl was like, literally I feel like having a panic attack. So she's like, you know, growing up, I identified with The Little Mermaid with Ariel because I'm redheaded and blah, blah, And someone's like, this doesn't take away the original movie. Like you can still feel identified with Ariel from the anime. It's just that this is a new movie for a new generation where little girls can see themselves on the big screen. Um, I don't see what necessarily the big deal is. And for all you know, they could give her red hair. So I don't see really what the big deal is here. Um, people seem very selective in what they feel outraged over because I don't remember there being this type of outrage when Zazie Beetz was picked for the role of Domino in Deadpool, and it would be, made for some real... Sorry, go ahead.
3: No, no, I was just going to say, it was it was pretty bad, but, I mean, once you kind of got people to really understand um, that, one, it's a mutant, and, two, there's nothing about Domino's character that specifies her race, they kind of just, like, and once you saw her, you were kind of just like, nah, she was good.
2: Like, she was good. I don't, I don't
3: care about it. And that's why I'm trying to get people to understand, like, if you watch it, it, like, again, if the character was supposed to be. Like, if they made T'Challa white, like, alright, there's no way I'm seeing that movie. There's no way anyone should see that movie. Um, because it's just, it's, it's not right. But Ariel, it just kind of like, this is what she decided to get upset about in today's climate with so much going on in the world. But it's, it's right here. So, but, you know, people are going to hate about what they want to hate about. It. To me, I kind of just think. This isn't the time to be upset. Like, I would have understood when people got upset about um, them changing James Olsen in Supergirl, only because that's not James Olsen. Like, he, they completely not only changed his race, but his character. Um, so, that to me, i I I'd give more credence to than, than this. Well,
0: I was just only saying this as the Zazzy beach thing because it made for great cosplay. You saw friends who would go to Comic Con. You had one girl who was white and she was the cosplaying as the domino from the comics. And you had a girl who was black and she was cosplaying as domino from the movie. So you could have that where then all these girls feel comfortable with cosplaying and, you know, a character. And as we said earlier, you know, or you guys said earlier, you know, it's that being inclusive, being diverse and making sure that people see themselves on screen because, And especially with young girls who already have body issues, self esteem issues, and they're watching all of these Disney princess movies and not seeing themselves on TV, I mean, not on the big screen. And now you're going to have that generation of girls who are going to feel like, oh, that's me. And I think that's great. Like, it doesn't take away from you could still watch the freaking original Disney movies. That's with any of the original Disney movies. But don't take that away from someone,
2: you
3: know? Yeah, like I said, representation is something that's very important in all aspects of life. Um, all right, someone's fired. Okay, all right.
2: Um, <laughs> but, uh,
3: representation is, uh no, but like I said, representation is very important, and it is something that I want to become normal so then, when casting like this happen. We're not all in uh all at arms because it's just it's normalized. It's something that we just have gotten over um and we right. see more of. So if you can continue to do this, Hollywood, please do. Just make it make sense and let it be organic. Let it be we're not doing right. it um just to make her black. We're doing it because we fell in love with, with her when she auditioned. And she just so happened to be black. Um so yeah, I, mean I wanna and, add one
1: more thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, just I I, I so uh, another thing that my my friend who I was talking to yesterday um, told me that she had read, and I love this, um, and it, it was funny because when she was telling me, it, I I wasn't I wasn't thinking it was going in this direction, um, but she said uh, that she had read something somewhere uh, that um, a woman had said, um, you know, I was I was uh, like a, a they grew up and being, and she was ginger and she said being ginger, like we didn't have, like there wasn't a whole lot of representation for us. So I like really loved to have, like have to see, you know, a Disney princess with red hair. I like, I, I identified with it. Um, and I'm really happy that a lot of young girls who are black are going to have that same experience and be able to identify with Ariel now, um, in, in this new way. Um, and I was just like, what a fucking great way to look at it! Like, what a great way to like, um, to like see the positive of it and not be like, oh, all the like, you know, I to have the the visceral reaction of like, well, I identified with her growing up, and now other girls won't be able to, but but other girls will, um, and I just so I really really loved the fact that that was how this particular person looked at the situation.
3: Yeah, I mean, and mainly because when Ariel. Came, when Little Mermaid rather, came out, it was in a time where it seemed like Disney princesses either had brown hair, black hair, or blonde. Like it was just yep. Any other hair color uh, was just something they never really thought about. Um, and then you go to Little Mermaid, and then I could be missing something in between, but then you get to braid, um, and, and then you get another uh, redhead. So to me, it's like the representation um, should just be spread around. But like I said, once it becomes normal, None of this will matter. We won't have to have conversations like this where we're telling idiots to stop just being idiots um, because it's just normal. It's normal because it's existed for so long. Um, So hopefully this is the first of many cat things that we can get. It kind of shakes up Hollywood and kind of gives us more of a um, better look at all uh, shapes, color, um, and and kinds of people because we need to explore that. That's how we better get to know people is by experiencing and realizing that there's other people that have to be taken care of than just ourselves. So hopefully The Little Mermaid uh, not only is a good movie, but from the way I'm speaking, The Little Mermaid is going to ensue world peace. So hopefully it does that. Um, <laughs> but all right, let's move on to our final topic before we get into our review section of today's episode. Um, let's talk a little bit about Catwoman casting room. Uh, so we got the names Vanessa Kirby and Anna Day Almos. I don't know what Anna is from, but I do know Vanessa Kirby more recently plays the sister of Shaw in Hobbs and Shaw. Um, I, I, I like what I saw from her, uh, but I again, these castings to me, if you're casting someone I haven't really seen, just do it. Like I, I don't want, you know, to, to dig deep in, oh, can I, did, does she look like Catwoman? Can she To me, just cast it and just do a really good job, and then I'm good. I mean, at this point, DC gives me the the biggest headache. I kind of feel like for Marvel, when we hear a name, it's either that name is casted and five years just waiting to make it official, or that's a name that came out, but, you know, something happened and maybe it didn't work out that they didn't accept the role. But we don't usually hear, like, oh, yeah, the role of Loki is up to, like, eight guys, and, you know, we're now trying to figure out who is it. No, we just usually don't hear that, and it's just it's so easygoing because I don't have to go through the stress of it. Just cast Hmm. them on Warner Brothers and just let it be that. We'll have to live with it regardless, so just cast them on. But, Nick, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Do you know either of these two actresses? And if not, do you have anyone in mind you would like to see play Catwoman and Matt Reeves the Batman?
1: Um, no, not really. Um, and I, I'm not ultimately familiar with, with their work. Um, but here's the thing, like when it comes to DC that, you know, they obviously have a lot of flaws, but they're usually really good with casting. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, basically just very optimistic that whoever they pick is going to be good. Um, and you know, and we'll, we'll see, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you as far as like, the like rigmarole of it all um it's just there's always like so many different rumors, and it's just it's you know the the way that Disney chooses to run their ship is just way tighter um and you know uh, just let less speculation it's you know i and I may have said this before it's kind of like the difference between you know uh n b a teams that you always hear the rumors about and and then you know. There's the teams that you don't really hear much about, and then they come out and and they're the those are the teams that actually make make a big trade or something like that um it's not it's oftentimes not the team uh that you know is just is always swirling around um and like for for you know being a fan of the Hawks, they kind of run their ship that way. You don't usually hear a lot of shit um you know about. Oh, well, they're rumored to do this, or rumored to do that. Like, you just figure out when it happens. And it's just, it's a uh, it's a lot less stressful.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, at this point, because the thing about uh, casting lists and, and you releasing names, and I'm not saying Warner Brothers released these names, but the thing about these names coming out is, like, let's say you happen to be a huge fan of Vanessa Curve, and then she doesn't get it. You've now built up the, your excitement for the idea of her getting it only for her not to get it. So that's why I say I, the less information you give Jawan, the better it is. Because I can't freak out. I can't lose my mind. I can't get upset about something. I just I don't have the information. So that's better for me. Um, but it's only when you give me options, you give me choices. Um, I, I'll stay away from the sports analogies because you know the analogy I would have made, uh, Nick. Um, but it's yeah. when you give me options that I then go, <laughs> how did you not do this? It was right there for you. Um, so, to me, just cast it. And like you said, DC uh, and Warner Bros. have been great with their casting so far. That's why I'm not concerned, but I just don't want to know. Um, because for example, I freaked out when the report came out saying, well, it was between now. Um, uh, God, I can't remember his name that just got casted as Batman. But it was between him and uh, Nicholas Holt. Robert Pattinson, thank you. I started to, to immediately freak out at the idea of Holt becoming my Batman because I got so used <laughs> to the idea of Robert Pattinson. So that's why when they officially said Robert, I was like, all right, thank God this is over. I don't have to worry about this anymore. So just hmm. give us castings when they're official, Warner Brothers, and make officials stay official. So that's an issue you have also. Um, but, yeah. media, uh your thoughts on um, the two possible casting names uh, for Catwoman.
0: Well, first, I definitely wanted to comment on, I think that Warner Brothers does these kind of, like, uh, who is this this new character because they want to see what the public reaction is going to be because they've already had so much of a uh, negative reaction from fans throughout their movies that they just want to make sure that they get whoever is just really giving uh, just a really positive reaction. As far as these actresses, I don't really know either of them, so I can't say who I would think would be a better Catwoman. So, honestly, that's all I really have to say on the subject.
3: Yeah, no problem. I mean, like I said, to me, I think we'll all just be fine when when you make castings and we just have to live with whatever it is. Um, To me, focus less on casting because you do a good job with that and focus more on giving us good stories. Because you do sometimes struggle with that. So let's just get a proper balance here, Warner Brothers. But all right, um, Tia, uh, me and Nick are going to move on to the... Roof. Uh, I was going to say the revenge. Why was I going to say revenge? <laughs> review portion. I know you have not finished Stranger Things, um, so we do not want to spoil it for you. Um, so I know you'll, you'll step away so you don't hear anything, um, but... Everyone, we are going to get into the review of Stranger Things Season 3. Nick, I know you finished it, which I'm super proud of you for, because um, it just came out Friday, I believe, right? Or did it come out earlier than that? Uh, Thursday, I
1: think. Thursday. I think It came out on the 4th
3: oh, okay. of July. Oh, okay. So you had an extra day. Okay, okay. Because I'm thinking it just came out Friday, and I'm like, I know how busy you are, so the fact that you got it done uh, enough for today, that is awesome. Um, I think I just finished it last night. Um, so I am all caught up. I have seen the entire season. Nick, give me your initial thoughts on, uh, season three of Stranger Things.
2: Dude, it was fucking
1: great. Like, it, it, they just, uh, y- you know, it's funny cause you know, we talked about, um, a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, it feels like they they could probably just kind of end it like three seasons, probably enough. Um, but they, they do enough to keep it fresh, to keep it interesting. Um, they just kind of go back to that that bag of like um, 80s tropes, but they don't they don't use them in a tropey way, you know. So um, so obviously for for this season you got elements of um, the thing, which um, I, I certainly thought of uh, just watching the trailer. Um, and then you also got um, elements of, uh, you know, like Red Dawn with, you know, the Soviets and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, it, uh, it, But, yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was great. Um, I, I just, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. Um, I just, I fucking love Steve so much. Like, he's my guy. Uh, and... I like the fact that they built off of his relationship with Dustin um, and, and kind of paired those two together for the majority of the season because um, they just work so well together. Um, and I can't remember the character's name. Um, you Maybe you can help me out with this one, Joanne, but the, the girl who works with Steve at the ice cream shop, um, she was fucking awesome. Like uh, Like, I was so impressed with her. I was so happy that they, like, didn't pair them together and instead kind of, like, had this sort of reveal that she's lesbian. Um, I think that's another, like, great example of, you know, what would, I guess, kind of be the theme of this the show today is, like, representation is important. And that was, I think, something, like, really cool to have in the show instead of just having another romance. Um I thought it was it just worked out so much better that way. Um and, you know, so I, I thought that was, you know, a great character that they introduced. Um Smirnoff, uh poor one out for Smirnoff. Uh, he was <laughs> awesome. I, I really love that character. I mean he was just so funny. Um and like you know, the way that they kinda uh played played up, you know, his character with Hopper and Winona Ryder and you know, the um uh, I forget the other guy's name, but the the um the bold dude, uh the super smart guy, the conspiracy theorist dude. Um so yeah, I mean I, I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, you know, I, I just overall I thought it was really good. I like the element of like Will um kind of sensing uh that you know the monster was back. Um, like i thought that was kind of a cool way to um to kind of build up um to essentially like to them all figuring it out so you have 11 um kind of in, uh, independently piecing together the puzzle and then you have will who's just got like has had a connection with it and so he could um sense it too and seeing them like reach reach the same conclusion um separately i um very much loved, uh, the kind of like, um, uh, I guess girl time, um, between L and I forget the other girl's name. Um, but, uh, between those two, uh, I thought that was, that was really, really cute and, and definitely good. Um, and from, I think I read somewhere that they were like really good friends in real life too. Um, since, you know, working together this season, um, I always like you know just like to hear stories like that um but yeah man overall just overall thoughts just in general i fucking loved it i i don't know if it's better than season one i still probably think season one is better but it was definitely in my opinion better than season two um i think it's funny that you know they they kind of set up season two to to kind of be broader as far as these these i guess um like, superhero-powered uh, individuals um, and L not being, like, the only one and all that. Yeah, they just fucking dropped that shit because, like, nobody really liked it. <laughs> so, um, you yeah, know, that was probably smart. Um, and it was, like, it was, I think it was, like, a lot more contained as far as, like, the, the just the time frame. Like, it only took place over a few days. Um, and so I think they were able to get, uh, you know, get a little bit more done um, doing, doing it that way, strangely enough. Um, but, yeah, man, overall, I fucking loved it, um, and I am totally uh, excited and down for season four now. Um, I I've will abandoned say, you, one.
3: <laughs> I will say, um, the person you were referring to, her name is Robin in the show. Um, yes. with our our guy Dad Steve. And interesting fact about Robin, Nick, you want to hear a really interesting fact? What's that? Her it? name is Maya Hawk. Do you know who her dad is?
1: Her name is Maya Hawk? My guess is yep. Ethan.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Her nice. dad is That's Ethan cool. Hawk. Yeah, I thought that was super cool. Um, and the other guy you were referring to, Murray Ballman, uh, played by Brett yes. Gellman. Um, yes. and last but not least, You are referring to Max, played by Sadi Singh. Um, Yes. I didn't want to stop you while you were in the flow of everything, so I was like, "I'll wait till you're done, then I'll give you the the name you're looking for." Um, But yeah, so those those were the uh, the characters. I really did like Max. I thought Max was uh, my standout for this season. Um, I enjoyed her a lot. I will say that Steve should be more of a prominent character, um, if not the, the linchpin of, of each season <laughs> that they choose to have. He is legit the coolest individual um, I, I can remember from a TV show. Um, he, to a degree, is my fonds. I just think he's so freaking cool. Uh, everything is cool about him. Even his drop from being cool I think is cool. I, I think he, he right. handles that so well. <laughs> Uh, and that's not easy to do because we, Nick, we can speak to a lot of the popular kids like plateaued in high school because, like, now you look at them and you're kind of like, how are you ever cool? I feel like he is right. the one guy who is just cool in all aspects of life. Uh, right. <laughs> like, even if he dropped off, he's still just so cool. Um, but, excuse me, uh, this season, I, I, I don't know what it was. It, let me preface it by saying it was not a bad season. I just wasn't really blown away by this season. I don't think any season they give me will ever be like the first one, but that's not what I hold it to. Um, I just hold it to being just a good season, and I think it was okay. Definitely better than season two. Season two I just thought was, what were you guys doing? Um, But I did enjoy aspects of it. I I will say, Nick, seemingly, because I could be dead wrong, seemingly I think we can agree that I think you called it with me. I'm, I'm not sure. But we saw the writing on the wall for um, Hopper. Uh, now whether right. that sticks or not is to be seen. I believe we can kind of put together from the end credit scene, which is badass by the way, right. um, that he is still indeed alive. Um, but if he's not, they left we the door the, open. They left it open. They absolutely did. So if David Harper's like, "Yep, I'll come back." They left the door open, and it would make total sense because you would assume the Russians would kidnap him. Um, to do tests on him uh, and and stuff like that. So that would hold up. Um, But we saw the writing on the wall. It it felt like it from the trailer where he was kind of having that emotional moment with Elle, and it kind of just seemed like he's going to risk himself for her. Um, We were wrong in that sense because he risked his life for everyone. Um, But it it just kind of felt like it was coming. And we said heading into the season, you needed to do something that was different than anything you've done before. Something needed to happen that someone that matters. Um,
2: right.
3: And you just, you knew they weren't going to kill any of the kids <laughs> because they're just not. Um, and you knew the other secondary characters like Will's brother, uh, Mac c- characters like that, they weren't going to do that. So it took for a hopper death for me to really feel uh, the importance of it. What I want to ask you about Nick is, um, is a, And this is the thing I, I couldn't wait to kind of talk to you about. How did you feel about the buyers? Um, technically, that's only who, who moved. But how did you feel about them moving at the end? Did you feel as though that kind of made sense? Um, because technically, wherever you go, if these things still exist, they'll just follow you because, like, your kid and L. Um, did you kind of just see it as, like, they just need a change of scenery?
1: That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um I mean I thought the whole of them moving thing totally made sense. I mean because they had already set it up that you know right. that they were they were essentially thinking about moving. Um obviously it really sucks for L, um, you know, and Mike. Um and even uh the older buyer's kid and um and uh Nancy. shit, I forget. I, I, thank Nancy. you. Um and so like you know, that I mean that's a that's a bummer for them. Um but I mean they, they set it up so it does make sense. But yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about how the you know the the you know, because of having L and Will that I mean it, it certainly seems like it would follow them. But like wouldn't you wanna be further away? Wouldn't you want it to at least have to like travel some distance to try to find you? <laughs> like um not be right next to the hot spot, if you will. Um
2: so Very I don't nice. know. I mean
1: it's I, I think it kind of made sense uh, you know, in, in that regard. Um uh, like I uh I I wonder when they do season um uh season four how it's gonna shake out as far as how do you get them back together? Are they just gonna be visiting? Um, you know, or, or you know, how do how does all of that play out? Um I would imagine they have an idea, um but uh, but I, I, that um, that's probably like one of the biggest questions that I have, is how do you get that whole gang back together?
3: I could see I could because they, they set it up through dialogue, and this is why I tell everyone dialogue is so important because you don't have to show it to me. You can just say it. Um, they set up a, a possible scenario because um, think about it. We've had a 4th of July season. We've had a Christmas right. uh, season. Last season, I don't know what. What time of the year necessarily was in? Maybe they do a Thanksgiving. Maybe this fourth yeah. season comes out in November and Thanksgiving, because mm-hmm. uh, that's what Mike said. He said, "Well, I'll, you know, I'll see you on Thanksgiving. You can come here for Christmas." Right. Um, so you have two things to play with in that. Oh, last season was Halloween. That's what it was. Last season was Halloween. Right. Um, so you could do a, a Thanksgiving one, uh, so where they come down for Thanksgiving and then all hell breaks loose again. I do not know necessarily if I like the idea. Um, I kind of was hoping after season two they'd find a way to fix it. I don't like the idea of the thing being stationary. So it's just in that town. I would have liked it if the whole thing disappeared and then it went into someone. So that way it could move town to town. So then you really Mm. fear it's following you. Um, But when you make it stationary, it's like, well, we know they're going to have to come back. How they do it is the question, but they're going to have to come back. I would have preferred it if it followed them to their new town, and then the rest of the, the cast had to go meet them to wherever they're at, um, just so we can get a change of scenery um, and, and kind of stay in a different town and, uh, and explore a different town. Um, so, I mean, I kind of would have preferred that, but, I mean, you know, that's probably me just nitpicking. Um, but, yeah, I would assume Thanksgiving and then a November release is probably what they're aiming for in the next two years. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about is the whole, uh, by the way, I did not know this is how you pronounce this guy's name. So huge shout out to, uh, Gaten, who I watched an interview, uh, with Daker Montgomery. We've been saying the Creed. I got it right. It's, Daker Dacre Montgomery. Um, cool. so that was, I really knew it all along. Cool <laughs> um, yeah, cause I, I thought it was, I thought, I thought you pronounced it the way it was spelled. Um, and I'm like, what is the E for? Take the E off. Um, but it's Baker <laughs> Montgomery. But I, I did want to ask you, Nick, because I, I do think he's a really good actor. Um, I love yeah. him in, in, in Power Rangers. Uh, I, I really hope he gets a shot to do a, a sequel with a better director. Um, but I do see a lot of good acting in him. Um, so what did, this, what did you get from him in this season? And uh, were you sad at all that this probably will be the last time we see his character?
2: Oh
1: well, this will definitely be the last time we see his character. <laughs> uh, not so much sad, um, but I did like the fact that you know, because obviously, like they have a they have a way of redeeming their their most um, I don't want to say flawed. That's not really the word, but like asshole characters, if you will. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And obviously, the the the, the uh, cream of the crop being Steve, because like oh, yeah. Steve sucks. In the first season, and then in the second season, that was, I mean to me, that was the best part about the second season was um, the way that they kind of transformed him into this um, not not just likable character, but beloved character. Um, and and so I I think that that aspect of it was cool. Um, I think the way that they did it too with with um, like how L saw some of his memories um, when he was a kid and and when he was happy and to offer like some explanation as to why, um, you know, he's, he is the way that he is even before he got like infected. Um, You know, I I, I think that was, that was important. Um, And it obviously was important, not just for the character um, development, um, but it was important to essentially um, L being able to, to, Talk to him and to to get him to I guess fight um, fight the the control that uh, the the monster had over him um, and I thought that was a super fucking powerful scene um, I thought it was uh, it was awesome like I it, the build up was there I totally saw it coming but the delivery was still so good that um, that I I, I just I, I really really enjoyed it um, and. Uh, yeah, like, bye-bye, Billy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, I, like, I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel bad for him. I felt bad for Max because, um, regardless, I mean, that's her fucking brother, even if he is an asshole. Um, right. But I, I was glad that he did get the redemption moment. Um, I mean, that, that was certainly, um, like, a good way for his character to go out. Um, and, yeah, like, I mean, it was uh, – I do think uh, Jacob Montgomery is a really good actor, Um I could definitely see him um you know, being involved in like a MCU movie down the road, especially with like X Men. Um you know, um obviously going back Cyclops. to Disney. Oh yeah. He'd be a great fucking Cyclops. Um I, I think he would make a great Angel, because um, he is a very attractive dude and obviously Angel um from the comics is a very attractive person. Um so I, I could see that one as well. Um, so there's a lot of different characters that I could see him playing um, but yeah i I thought I thought it was good I did want to mention um i I don't want to get too off track i I'll, I'll let you steer the the conversation um, but um I do kind of want to mention it, it like the um, Susie like granted, we, we 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 kind of suspect that Hopper somehow survived and was captured by the Russians, but if not like Susie, you got her. You got her dude killed. Like you had to make Dustin fucking sing that stupid ass song before you gave him the fucking code, uh, and and that was ended up being the, the you know what essentially what got him killed was that two minutes of time that uh, that you cost cost him. So way to go, Susie, bitch. <laughs> I
3: will say though. Um, I didn't get the reference of who Destin was trying to say she was hotter than, and by no means am I not oh, into a conversation. You didn't know who,
1: that's funny. Go ahead, BBK. Yeah, I, I B. B. Kate is the chick from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So, oh, okay. um, and she's also okay, okay. You know, like the the and Judge Reinhold has like the the he's like thinking about her coming out of the pool and she like takes her top off and everything, um, like a very iconic probably the most iconic scene from that movie. Um, and she's also the, she's the main uh, girl in Gremlins as well, just for more
3: context. Oh, okay, context. okay. But I, I, I did want to alert the, the audience as you're listening. Don't worry. No one's getting into a conversation about uh, the looks of children. So I wasn't getting there. I was just saying I didn't get no. his reference when he was saying it. Yeah. Um, so the more he kept saying it, I was just like, That's it. I, don't, I don't know what the hell you're talking about.
2: <laughs> um,
3: but what, what I did enjoy, though, was that Dustin did have some money, um, yeah. and, and I think that was that was the biggest thing because, you know, as kids, you embellish. Like, we embellish. Yeah, I went away for, like, six months. Yeah, of course I got a girlfriend right. while I was out there.
1: So, I mean, that's right. just what
3: we do as as boys. Oh, so you know, I don't uh, know. You I goes to speak a different girls. school.
1: <laughs> like, yeah.
3: Oh, <laughs> right, right, of course. And then, you know, what was the first thing your friends would say? Well, call her. Call her right now. Let, let me hear it. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah. you know, now now it's harder to get away with that because it's like, well, she has to have Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, right. something for me to see her. So now you, right. if you're called out on the spot, it's harder to get away with. But then you could go, yeah, she lives in Idaho, you know. I went there right. for camp, <laughs> you know. You guys can't see her. Uh, so you're allowed to get away with that. But I, I, I do love that. Because I did think for a second, and maybe this was clueless of me, but I did think they were going for something between um, whats his name, sister and, uh, and him, and, and Dustin. I thought they were going for that, and I was just kind of like, this is really weird. <laughs> like, oh, why are you yeah, trying to, she's so to
1: make much name work? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Right. I was like, this is really weird. Um, but it goes to, again, why it's important to have movies and shows that have men and, and women as really good friends and not just dating so that it's normal, right. so then we don't see stuff like that interaction and, and immediately go, well, are you trying to do a love angle between the two of them, and the ages are right. kind of off? Um, so that's why that's important that we do that more in movies. And, they, like you said, they didn't just do it with Dustin and her. They did it with um, with Steve and uh, can't believe in Robin. Thank you. Um, which is yeah. great, because the way she was talking, it made it, seemed like she was obsessed with him, but she's like, no, right. not you. I was obsessed with the person obsessed with you. Uh, right. I love that. I, I love that. I, I want to get into, because we see three different journeys here. We see Hopper's journey. Right. Um, we see uh, Dustin's journey, and then we see Elle's journey. Um, actually, we could even say four because we see uh, Max's brother's journey also. Um so I am curious yeah. out of those out of those four journeys what journey stood out to you the most um out of those four journeys
1: I mean they were all good like I, I thoroughly enjoyed um that they were kind of able to do it in in the way that they did um and and, and like I said because it all took place over the course of um like uh, you know a few days um uh it it made that possible you know like it made it possible um, that uh, you know that they were would would be able to achieve four different stories um, like that. Um, they were so much more successful with it this go round um, than in season two because they tried to kind of do it in season two with Elle and it did just didn't quite work. Um, but this time, I thought they nailed it. As far as my favorite, um, probably gonna go with uh, Steve, Robin, and Dustin. Um, and, oh, what, what was, um, what's dude's sisters' name? Uh Uh-huh. Blanking on it now. Um, His sister, hold on.
3: Let me see. Let me bring up the cat list. She was fucking great.
1: Lucas' sister? Uh, Lucas' sister, yeah. Uh,
3: Erica. Erica. Erica? Erica, that's
1: right. Erica. Um, she was fucking awesome. Like, super, like, super smart. Um, like, you can't spell America without Erica. Like. Um, yeah, I was like,
3: just
1: like oh, yeah, you can't. <laughs> <great>. Right. <laughs> um, And, like, and I thought, like, that was a, a, a sweet little, like, added element. And you know, the other thing that I like, too, is, like, you know, when Dustin's, like, explaining all the different shit that happened, she's like, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, but Lucas was not there. Like, not my brother. My brother is lame. <laughs> and that's, like, totally, like, the... the is a quintessential sibling rivalry. Like my brother's too lame for that. Like and, and you know, so yeah, you know, obviously Dustin's like, Wait, do you believe everything that I just told you minus Lucas being a part of it? Yeah, like totally. Um <laughs> but yeah, so, I, yeah. I yeah, and uh, I love that. Like I already said I love um Steve and Robin's relationship and, you know, you expounded upon that by saying it's important to have um have male and female characters that are, are, um, you know, just friends, and that's okay. Um, And they don't need it to be anything more than that. Um, And and that's really good. Um, And it was cool, too, because it was like when Steve pieced pieced together, like, what she was telling him, um, he was just – it's not like he was, like, you know, like, terribly upset about it. He was just – he was like, oh, oh all right, well, yeah, I guess that kind of sucks, but whatever, <laughs> like, I mean, I still, like, I mean, but he was, you know, he's still, like, well, I mean, I still, like, like you, so, like, like, we can totally be friends, and, like, the way they ended it with them getting the jobs at the, at the video store, um, like, that's great, like, I fucking love that, so, like, they're just they're gonna continue being friends and and you know. Um so I, I love that element. But definitely like just those characters and the way they interact. And of course, you know, we you and I have been the biggest uh proponents of Dad Steve. Um and so we got that back with um, you know, him and Dustin. Uh oh and and just like when they get the truth zero that shit was fucking hilarious. Um that was hilarious. So So yeah, that that's gotta be my favorite out of any of which one was mm-hmm. yours.
3: Um, I'd say the, the thing that made me laugh the most, it was such a small line, but it was when Robin goes, how many kids are you friends with? And it was kind of (laughs) like, it is a little weird. Like we know, we know why, why they have such a great friendship, but to someone on the outside, it's really weird. The amount of kids that this grown man (laughs) is friends with, it's like, all right, man, relax. Like it, it make more sense if Steve had like a little brother around their age and it's like, well, he sees them all the time. It's like, no, right. no he doesn't. He's just friends with kids. <laughs> it's, like, right. it's a little weird, man. Um, but I will say the, the, the one thing I was hoping we got, um, it didn't necessarily have to be this season, but whatever the last season is, one thing I did want, and I was, I was kind of feeling like they were trying to build towards it, but I can be completely wrong. I wanted it to be, because I I feel like everyone has their place except Will.
2: So what I always
3: wanted for Will's character was for them to find a way to uh, possess Will. Like, obviously something is still in him that, you know, that draws him to, to this monster. So have it be to where Will has this final standoff against Eleven. So it's a betrayal that the kids don't see coming. Um, and it's something that you haven't really done because, remember, Will Will wasn't a bad guy in season one. Um, The thing just lived inside of him, Uh, so he wasn't necessarily the bad guy. So I just want them to do, and it doesn't even have to be that. I could just be grasping at straws, but you have to do something to make Will's character more interesting because I feel really bad for him because even if you check out the interviews and stuff, it just seems like the interest is more towards the other kids, and Max gets more attention, and she's new. (laughs) <laughs> so right. it's like you got to do something to make Will's character more interesting because albeit I felt really sad for him this season um, if you don't do something to drastically make him just more entertaining I'm going to be bored with him next season and I don't want that right. because I do think the kid is a good actor but you just give no meat <laughs> to that character it's just it's draining honestly sometimes to, to hear him talk to just see him in a scene because everyone else brings something except for him. Um, so you spent the whole first season making him depressing because the thing lives in him. Then the second season, because he's going through, like, PTSD. And now this season, because he just feels all alone. So you just And he was, like, something. barely
1: in the first season.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you, barely in it. Um, so you kind of just have to do something. So so I, I will ask you before we, we move forward, how did you feel about Will? Do you feel the same way, or, or am I just coming out of left field with this?
1: No, I, I definitely kind of, uh, you know, I I could see where you're coming from and probably even agree with you, um, and, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't necessarily like your your face-off idea, um, between he and eleven, um, but I don't like, I don't like, I don't have the answer, like I don't know, like, kind of what you do, um, but like, cause, cause, but you're right, like in season one he was almost kind of like the MacGuffin, you know, like he was he was. That, you know the kid that wasn't around that they had to go retrieve and all that, um, I and mean, then but like, you know it was basically and you know I mentioned earlier I did like that he had the connection with the monster because it at least gave him like something to make him um, you know relevant um, and I and I thought that was um, good on their part um, but it does seem like you can maybe do it, you can definitely do more with that character. Um, it's just a question of you know what do you do and that I'm, I, I don't know i don't I don't have the answer to um, but you know i I, I think um, that that probably should be um, hope, hopefully will be something that they um, they really explore in season four.
3: I do also want to see more of like if you're gonna use those things that we saw at the end of uh, at the end of this season like that that monster. I do want to either see more of those, or I want to see something like I, the way this monster looked. I, I wasn't sold on. It. I didn't really like it. I like the yeah, design I'm, of just okay. Yeah, it was just blob. I like the design of the monster we saw at the end. It's more person like. Um, so seeing the face off would be more uh, more interesting. So I want you. I, I want them. Not you. I'm sorry, Nick. I want them to either develop more of that, um, or give give one of these monsters the ability to turn uh, to kind of be like a scroll to where they can kind of blend in. They can kind of blend in um, and it doesn't necessarily make them act weird or anything like that. Um, just something more to, to humanize it. Uh, it. We have a lot that, that season four has to give us. Is L powerless forever? We know that's not the case. Um, I would also like the idea of, Nick, since the, the beast is not not inside of Will, but something is inside of Will, give him, give him the power. Like, it doesn't have to be L's power, but give him something. Um, yeah. You know, you, just, you have to do something with Will because I just feel so bad that they continue to do nothing with this kid. And I think all of these kid actors are good actors or have potential to be, but you got to give them more. Um, and I think all of them have the advantage of some of them have done their own movies, their own shows, and this kid is just this. Like this is all I've seen him in. Um, so it's like give more to him. Um, but let's let's talk about that end credit scene, which I thought was a, a, a good um, a good thing that they did. Cause I honestly wasn't gonna stick around for the end credit. Um, so it's, you know I fast forwarded, uh, and I'm glad I did because I got to it. Um, but what were your thoughts on the end credit
1: scene? Yeah, it's funny. I did the same thing. Like I was, um, I, I like, I was about to like turn it off, and I saw that it had like a more time than what 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 I thought would just be like some credits. So yeah, I I kind of fast forwarded through, and, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. There is something here. Um, but yeah, I I like it. it it's fine. Um, I it obviously you know gives you the the hope or whatever that hopper is still alive um so that's kind of cool uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be hopper obviously um but but it, it seems like that was kind of the the um what they were angling for the viewer to to think um but uh but yeah i mean it, it, my biggest thing is like how do you like we saw how it can go wrong when you focus when you try to take it too far away from the meat and potatoes of it and so that would be my only thing is like how do they how do they still kind of keep it contained enough to where it's not just this sprawling thing um but i i did think they did a good job incorporating the the like um you know russian uh you know red dawn elements and stuff uh in this season um and so i mean i I can see that you know continuing to work um as long as they're tactful in how they handle it i just hope they don't go like too much into it you know or even like let's say hopper is back and he's he spends like the majority of the season like held captive and we don't really get his interactions with all these other characters throughout the whole season um that's not gonna be something that I'm terribly like invested in. Like, take for example, um Arya, uh Arya Stark in um Game of Thrones. Like, she was from start to finish probably my favorite character, but her couple seasons when she was not in Westeros and she was over um at you know, the the house of black and white, I think, um, and and training to be a faceless man, like that was the least interesting parts of her, you know, whole arc. Um, now, obviously, she had to go through them, um, you know, to get to where she was. Uh, but having her separated, not with any of those characters that she interacted so well with, um, definitely made it less, a lot less appealing um, to follow her storyline. I would hate to see that with Hopper.
3: Yeah, the biggest thing with me about Hopper is. Uh, it felt I felt as emotional about Hopper as I did when uh, Stark died in, in Endgame and albeit yeah. we know that there is a possibility Stark could come back in the future the the way I, I said that the Stark thing could work for me to where I, you know, it's cool to see him again but I still feel that raw emotion of, of when he died is if you wait until after like I'm talking five, maybe ten years from now, where you do an X-Men versus Avengers. Like, make it be that big or make it be Galactus big that you then have to right. go and, and, and get an Iron Man character. But I want to see this team have to make it on their own before you talk about bringing back Cap in, in, in Iron Man. Um, uh, so with Hopper, I kind of would like to see the first few episodes because if you're doing eight again, I would like to see at least three episodes to where everyone's just existing without Hopper. Like the, the town has a new police and chief, or chief police, uh, chief of police, sorry. Um, like everyone's moved on uh, from Hopper. Now, whether that's months, uh, weeks, uh, a year, whatever, um, I want to see that time has passed. Uh, but what I don't necessarily want them to do that kind of feels like they might is I don't want you to make a weapon out of Hopper. Um, I don't. Oh know yeah. How I don't know how I'd feel about that. It just wouldn't. It, it'd feel bad. It'd feel yucky. Um, so I. It just. It. It kind of feels like that's what they're probably gonna do because the Russians obviously will have to be in season four. Um mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I like any of that. Um. So I don't yeah, know don't what to do a make the obviously. Winter Soldier. Right. Exactly. Don't follow that formula. It only works for Marvel. Um. But yeah, to me the mindset is let Hopper be, be, you know, stay dead. Um, you know, especially if you're talking, it, I'll say this, Nick. I'm sorry, I'm just rambling. I'll say this. It'll depend on how many seasons Netflix wants to continue with Stranger Things. Like if you're telling right. me next season is the last season, let Hopper stay dead. It'll mean more um, that that was the last time we said it. But if you're talking right. about you want to do two more seasons, I could see towards the end of next season you bring them back. Um, and then the, the final season is him becoming readjusted. Uh, Eleven's now way older than, than when he left there. Um, the town is different, uh, stuff like that. Um, yeah. But to me, I'd prefer that formula than for you to say, all right, well, we're going to do three more seasons, but we'll bring them back next season. And it's like, well, I kind of want to stick with this death, like Stark. Um, seeing Spider-Man and seeing Stark everywhere hurt more because it's like, ah, he's probably not coming back. Um, right. So I want to feel that with Hopper, but do you kind of, kind of feel the same? You want to kind of sit with this death for at least a season, maybe?
1: Well, for at least the beginning of next season, like, um, you know, like, I mean, and, and potentially like you could have him, like, like you could have next season just completely without him. And then it be revealed at the end of that season that it was him in that you know in that in that prison um and then and then go, you know kind of go from there um i mean that that seems certainly plausible um i didn't even think about like the using him as a weapon like i wonder if it would be to like to have some sort of mind control and then and then send him back um and and i don't know how i would feel about that like um i mean yeah, it's, it, I could... it could certainly work but Go ahead.
3: No, I was gonna say I can see the storyline of them sending him back uh, as not necessarily a weapon, but like a um, uh, they use him to bring L to them because they think L is how they can uh, open the thing back up. Um, right. So they kind of, you know, they kind of send him in like that, but you know, you don't, you don't really have his memories and stuff, so he's gonna kind of seem off. So L is gonna right. kind of pick up on that. They, they discover that, you know. He's a plant from the Russian stuff like that. Like I could see that writing on the wall. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't know if I would like that.
2: Is what right. I'm
1: saying. Like I don't know yeah. if I would like. I, it would have to be very well done. Um, but uh, but yeah, as far as so, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about that. And then, um, like the and the thing that really got me, like, well, there was a couple things. Like I mean, his his kind of moment. You know, where he didn't have to say anything, he just like you know gave Winona Ryder that kind of look, and she, you know, turned the turned the keys and everything. Um, (coughs) But excuse me. Um, The the two moments that really got me was when Will runs up to hug her, and she's looking at Elle, and she's Elle's looking for Hopper, and he's just not gonna come. Um, To which I was like. All right, I get it. I get that, like, you know, you're happy to see your son again. Like, go hug out. Like, it's like, um, it's like when, uh, when Princess Leia, uh, went and hugged Ray, um, at, at the end of uh, The Force Awakens, and you're like, what? Chewie doesn't get no hug. Like, come on, bro. Um, like, g- give more hugs. That's that's, I guess, my motto in life. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but like, what really got me. Like I mean, I was fucking like balling. Like I, you know, like I'm I'm kind of sensitive to to um uh like uh, father son, father daughter, you know, any anything like that. Um, but uh, but man, that when she was reading that note, I was like, damn, Hopper, like that was so fucking good, dude. Like, um, I you know, I I I loved it. Like that was that was the moment, and like so. I don't, however, they decide to, you know, do things going forward. I don't want to, um, I, I don't want it to like, um, I don't want that moment to be lessened, um, which just bringing him back in and of itself wouldn't necessarily do. But it's, but if they brought him back as like a, you know, um, y- you know, like we were saying, like kind of like a mind control type thing, that might kind of make it feel weird then. Um not sure. I mean it it still is not necessarily the case, but it could be. Um so I mean that would that would kind of scare me a little bit.
3: Yeah, I will say out of the entire letter, I think what made me cry the most was when um he said, and please for God's sake three inches. <laughs> inches like I was like, yeah. oh, oh He had yeah. his last dad moment with her with that. Um Right. But yeah, I mean, that that to me was the equivalent of when Tony just hugged Peter. Um, Because if you remember the callback to Homecoming, where um, Mm he's like, all right, here's your stop. And Peter goes Mm -hmm. to hug him, and he's like, no, no, not hugging you. I'm trying to get the door closed. We're not there yet, kid. Get out. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're not there yet. Um, And then you see the emotional uh, journey that him and Stark went on together. Uh, All Mm -hmm. of Homecoming, Civil War, um, Infinity War. Um, and then him feeling all that guilt when he sees him disappear in his hands. Um, so I mean, with with the Hopper situation, you see him just trying to be the best dad he could be. You know, he hasn't done this since he lost his uh, his daughter. Um, so him trying to remember how to be not only a cool dad, but you know, the dad that's like, all right, well, you guys aren't about to be in the room by yourself just kissing and stuff all day. Like that, that's not about to happen under my roof. Um, I right. love that dynamic, and I, I loved um, him trying to get uh, advice uh, from his buyers, and then completely botching it and just going, "You know what? I'll just <laughs> scare him. I'll scare yeah. him. That'll get him to stay away." <laughs> like, I love the idea of that, um, and, and I'm I'm with you, Nick. To me, I kind of feel like bringing him back wrong lessons everything you just tried to do, um, right? And, and don't don't do that.
1: You know. Um, you know what else? Too that I that I really liked because you just made me think of this. Um, I liked the fact that like you know when when um, Mike is like basically trying to explain to L like like you know look like he, he like he like threatened me or whatever and like he he like scared me or what you know and you know he 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 thinks you know that he don't want to spend all you know too much time together or whatever and and like. I felt like they were setting that up for her to get mad at him, and she and it's kind of cool because she realizes it in the like in his absence and her hanging out with Max that like he's right like you don't need to spend every single day with the same person like
2: okay.
1: um like you're you're kids you're like you need to be kids you need to have uh, different friends and and uh d- you know different things um. And I, I, I think it was kind of cool that she realized it um, and maybe he, he, you know, definitely didn't go about it in the best way. Like, but um, but I, I, I thought that was, that was good, um, you know, but, both that they didn't take it in the direction that I was thinking they were going to take it um, and also to just have the evolution of Elle's character.
3: And, Nick, we have to be super proud of Max because Max gave us our Wonder Woman. Uh, little yes. egg. Yeah, I thought that was really dope. And and you know, I dope. thought it was also dope that they went with Wonder Woman to kinda give um Elle like an idea of like, you know, these strong female uh people to, to kinda look up to. Um mm-hmm. so I would love it if in season four Elle's now this huge fan of comic books. I would completely love it. Um, maybe even seeing her if they you know, her try to dress up as Wonder Woman or something like that, it would just be awesome. Ah, uh, to see her yeah. kind of dig into comics now uh, that Max kind of queued that up for. But I, I will say we started the season with uh, this season specifically with um her and and Mike always together, like you said. So it was good to kind of have Max be like, "All right, listen, I have a boyfriend too, but like, do you see him here right now? No, like we can't always be together. <laughs> like, you know, right. what do you like? Do something for you." And seeing them right. go through their shopping yeah, montage was, and stuff like that That was, was great. a
1: great scene. Yeah, that was great. A hundred percent.
3: So, I mean, th- this season did a really great job on um, properly defining their female characters. To where I would mm-hmm. even say the female characters were the heroes of this season on every level. On Because uh, remember how we said there were four different stories? On each of those four stories, without the girl, y- you know, everyone in the town is dead. Um, right. So I mean I I love that and I think again we need more of it to normalize it so when we see it we're not looking at it like it's this rare treasure, um it's right. just something we're used to, um so bravo Stranger Things for doing that because that was very well done, um but yeah that, I I don't want to ask you to grade it because I kind of feel like I want to let you sit with it and maybe give it another watch through it, unless you feel comfortable grading
1: mm-hmm. it, um already. Well, I mean, I kind of already did. I don't. I don't necessarily. So I mean, as far as like a letter grade or whatever, like I mean, I would, like I said, I I think it's. I thought it was definitely better than season two, um, and I even like season two just fine. Like it just it, it it just to me seasons one and three are just just a lot better. I mean, I would say definitely like a, a B plus to A minus. Like just for me personally, um, like I was, I was that like kind of thoroughly entertained. Um, and like you know, I, I'm. <clears throat> it's funny because, um, you know, I I pretty much wake up most mornings at six a.m. Um, to get ready for work, and then um, you know wake up around eight a.m. ish, you know, on on days off because just because my body's acclimated to it. Like it takes a lot for me to like stay up, dude. I stayed up until like five a.m. <laughs> watching, uh, watching like binging it. Like I was like, I'm not gonna like, I can't stop. <laughs> like the last two episodes, I'm like, I'm just dying. Like I'm like, oh god, I'm so ready to go to sleep. Um, but uh, but I mean that, I mean that tells you really all you need to know.
3: Yeah, that's why I said. Cause I thought it came out Friday. That's why I said I was super proud of you that that you got through all of it, even though it's eight episodes. And I will say this, to it being eight episodes, shame on you if this was the true case. Shame on you, Marvel for not just um, agreeing to do eight episodes for your Marvel shows. Because now that I've seen this season of Stranger Things, I'm like, yeah, eight seasons kind of can work. Like, remember, eight, it,
1: eight, it told pretty much the perfect eight, number, eight to ten.
3: Exactly, exactly. And think about how Stranger Things was able to do it. It took four different storylines. It yeah. was able to get through all four of them and meet in the middle by eight episodes. So it's like, come on, Marvel. Like, after the first season where you establish the characters, like, I get establishing them, maybe have that as, like, 10 to maybe 11. But once they're established, I don't – we don't really need 13 per season. It's good, you know, like, for Daredevil and stuff, it's good, but we don't really need it. So, just right. saying, shame on you, um, hmm. you know, if that's what, what broke all this up. Um, but we got, we got Tia back on. Uh, Tia, we just went through everything we loved about Stranger Things. If, if I had to give a grade, Nick, to be fair, because uh, I, I made you give one, I'd say a solid B. Um, can't really gotcha. go any higher than that. It was just a solid B to me. Um, like I said, it wasn't bad, but it was just a few things I just really didn't like. Um, but, Tia, we, we did uh, enjoy Stranger Things. So when you finish, we would definitely love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, Nick, I, I'm not sure. Did you see Spider-Man: Far From Home yet?
1: I have not. Um, so, Good. Okay. All, all of all of the brownie points that I earned for having already watched uh, all of Stranger Things are out the window now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, because like I said, I'm still super proud of you for getting through all of that when you did. So, no, I no judgment here. When you see it, uh, you see it, but just be mindful to stay off of Facebook because people saw it yeah. Tuesday. So there's a likelihood a spoiler is floating around somewhere on Facebook. I'm gonna try my best to delete it if I see it, but just
1: keep an eye out for that. Um, oh, there's a lot. Bro, of I think I think I already I, and don't. I'm not asking for confirmation here, but I think I think I already got the the um, po- mid credit scene. I think uh, spoiled for me um, just from a headline, um, and I was like, damn it, like because some uh, a buddy of mine had seen it and was like, dude, just wait for the mid credits wait till you see the mid credit scene it's so awesome and i was like super geeked for it and then like just this headline on on an article and i was like oh motherfucker like <laughs> but hey maybe yeah, that's not it's, it. i don't know it's no I, i'll
3: say it we're, we're in a time to where it's like now we have so much access to to news it's like mm-hmm. if you don't see it opening day or within that that day or two it's literally yeah. everywhere um, right. So, I mean, that, that that sucks if you did get spoiled. Um, I really hope you didn't because it's one of those things where it's like the less you know about that movie, the better. Um, mm-hmm. You can kind of go into it um, not knowing and then leaving it like, oh, my God, I did not see that coming, that coming. Um, so please do let me know once you have seen it because I desperately want to know your thoughts. We had like a small review about it on Geeks Against the Grain, but – I definitely have to talk about it with you, uh, with you, Nick. So definitely let us know Word. when you see it. Um, all right. Uh, Tia, like I said, um, <laughs> your homework is to finish Stranger Things so I can get your opinion. <laughs> and Nick, your homework is to see Spider-Man so I can get your opinion. Um, Words. But, yeah, no, we had a great show. Everyone, please make sure you stay tuned. Uh, you listen to Top 10 that uh, came out earlier uh, today. Make sure you listen to Geeks Against the Grain that we did Friday. And please make sure you head into this new week with Monday Suck, uh, uh, Full Court Press, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and um, another episode, of course, of Geeks Against the Grain and Geek Vibes Live and Top 10. Um, and yes. like I said, we, we possibly have some interviews coming down the pipeline, but the biggest thing to look forward to in this upcoming week is, I think, either this week, or maybe next weekend, is San Diego Comic-Con, and we have people out there. We have foots on the ground um, for San Diego Comic-Con, so we'll have all the news, all the photos, videos, and stuff ready for you guys. So we'll probably dedicate a Geek uh, geek Vibes Live episode to purely breaking down all the news that comes from San Diego. So stay tuned for that. We have a lot of stuff coming you guys' way. Nick, Tia, thank you both so much uh, for joining me for this episode, and – That's it. We will see you guys same time, same
2: place next week. Peace. Peace. Yes. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and
0: tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.